1: So let's bring in Mike Worth, now, Chairman and CEO of Chevron. Mike, it's always great to see you. Thank you so much for joining.
2: It's a pleasure to be with you.
1: So, Mike, I, I promised Romaine that I'd do the nerdy stuff first. So fair enough. Let's start with the Permian. Because the growth rate in the Permian was truly uh, spectacular. Production overall was up uh, 14%. 14% growth in the Permian. That's incredible. And if you take a look at what your growth forecast is going to be over the next year, you're still looking at that 1 million barrels of oil a day for 2025. What is really driving that?
2: Well, Alex, it's great execution. And it it really starts uh, outside the Permian. It was a year of records for us. We had record global oil and gas production of 3.1 million barrels a day, record US production. And in the fourth quarter, we had record Permian production of over 870,000 barrels per day. Uh, So really strong performance in our business across the board allowed us to return a record $26 billion to shareholders, almost 10% of our market cap. And as you mentioned, uh, we raised our dividend 8% earlier this year. So uh, strong performance, uh, you know, around the world. Permian certainly showing very strong growth and momentum as we move towards a million barrels a day in 2025.
1: So you mentioned on the call that you weren't going to be increasing CapEx, so I'm just wondering what your confidence level is in maintaining uh, and improving those productivity and efficiency gains.
2: Well, capital discipline always matters in our business. And for years now we have been uh, very uh, committed to a tight capital budget and focusing on execution. What we've done now in the Permian is we've grown to a point where uh, we'll uh, hold our capex as guided at about $5 billion this year and uh, and see continued growth this year and next year. And as we get uh, to next year at a million barrels a day, we'll start to talk about holding a plateau, which allows us to actually invest even less capital in order to do that so uh, we're very committed to uh, you know capital discipline through the cycle it matters in this industry it's an industry that at times uh, hasn't necessarily exhibited that and I think it's important that that our company and other companies uh, remember the lessons of commodity markets
3: what does that mean uh, Mike going forward here once the acquisition of Hess uh, closes late as, later this year here what type of changes still need to be made
2: When we we close the deal with Hess, which is uh, expected mid-year, we've got a a fairly involved FTC uh, information request that we're in the midst of right now. Uh, We'll have a a company that has even stronger uh, production growth further into the future. Uh, It will allow us to underpin uh, not only uh, the dividend, but also a very strong balance sheet and continued uh, share repurchases not only through the balance of this decade but well into the next so it takes what's a strong portfolio for us today and it makes it even stronger for longer
3: and then of course looking at the strength in the stock looking at the strength of the balance sheet mike i'm sure you've heard the questions here do you plan any other major acquisitions this year
2: we, we just com- completed one acquisition last year. We're in the midst of, of another one, and uh, you, we're always alert to opportunities. But integrating a company in our industry matters. Uh, we operate in uh, challenging environments. The work we do needs to be done with precision to keep people safe, to protect the environment, and integrating two companies together and all the, the things that go with that are uh, something we, we take very, very seriously. And so uh, we've got our uh, we've got our hands full. Right now, uh, we'll uh, we'll work hard to close the Hess deal and do a good job integrating a great company with ours. And uh, as we go forward, if opportunities present themselves, we'll certainly evaluate them. But we're not we're not feeling a need to do anything.
1: Now, a CEO speak for Nah, not right now. I got a lot going on. Fair enough. Um, hey, Mike, uh, we talked about um, the buyback and stuff, and sort of uh, bought back about five percent of your stock last year. Do you guys have a target for what that's going to be this year?
2: We're uh, right now under some SEC constraints because of the transactions. Uh, but the last two quarters, we've we bought back about three and a half billion dollars each quarter. Uh, once we're out from under those uh, constraints and and uh, we have the the HES shareholder vote, we've indicated that we would step up to a twenty billion dollar run rate uh, in a commodity environment like the one that we see today. Last year, uh, we repurchased just short of fifteen billion dollars and so that would be a significant step up it would be a sign of confidence in the future just as the 8% increase Mm -hmm. in the dividend this week is a sign of confidence in the future so that's that's the guidance we've uh, currently got out there in the marketplace.
1: Mike I'm interested when we just take a step back for a second the last 12 hours was about big oil delivering and it was also about big tech delivering and both now have dividends and both now have buybacks. How how does oil, big oil, stay relevant in a market that is just obsessed with AI and big tech?
2: Well, it's a very interesting market. And I I know you were talking about this earlier. Uh, There are a handful of technology companies that uh, really have been driving uh, this market. And the valuations obviously have uh, gotten to levels that that we've never seen before. we are a, a, a an essential industry to the global economy, or an industry that's been around for a long time and will be around for a long time in the future. We have a track record of generating cash and returning that to shareholders. So our dividend yield is above four uh, percent. We've increased our dividend for 37 consecutive years. Um, our dividend yield is more than two and a half times the the yield of the S and P, and our free cash flow yield is uh, is, is almost three times the S and P at over eight percent. And we've got a track Track record of, of returning that to shareholders and yet energy trades at about half the multiples of the market broadly and even less than some of the companies that you're referring to so there's a real value opportunity here yeah. for uh, long patient shareholders uh, to secure income to secure the future appreciation and it's underpinned by the uh, the strong cash flow the strong balance sheet, and uh, and the the track record that a company like ours offers uh,
3: what is I guess the corporate future of Chevron here. I mean, looking through uh, today's numbers, Mike, of course, we had that big write-down, the 3.7 billion, uh, stemming from a write-down of those California assets, and of course, there's a much bigger story behind that with regards to the, regula- the legislative changes that have already come down the pike and some additional regulatory changes that might also be coming. Is Chevron still wedded to California as its own
2: base? well california has uh... for the last couple of decades pursued policies that are intended, and this has been a part of the plan, to uh, reduce demand for our products, which hasn't really happened. Demand remains very strong, but also to reduce investment in our industry. And these policies have made investment in California less attractive than investment in other places in the U.S. and, and other places around the world. And what it's likely to do is reduce production and reduce supply uh, and if, if, if we don't see a corresponding reduction in demand, that, that creates, uh, you know, some risks for the marketplace. But policy choices do have uh, investment uh, consequences. They do influence investment decisions. And what we see playing out in California is exactly what, what the state uh, has been seeking.
1: Mike, do you want to move to Texas? <laughs>
2: We've got a lot of uh, operations in Texas, we've got a lot of people in the great state of Texas, and uh, it's where a lot of the growth we've been talking about in the Permian Basin uh, has been occurring. So we've got a large presence there, and, and it's, uh, uh, it's a growing presence.
1: Fair, fair answer. Um, Mike, to that point, I just wanted to get your sense, there's so much to get through too, but geopolitical risk. Where you sit, what's the biggest one? Is it California? Is it U.S. policy, a.k.a. a moratorium on LNG exports? Is it Venezuela? Uh, Is it Guyana and Venezuela and Guyana and that dynamic there? What keeps you up at night among all those?
2: Well, our our business brings with it geopolitical interactions and geopolitical risk. You've run through uh, a whole series of them that are are part of our world. Uh, Some are are present in the short term. So the Middle East uh, presents risks each and every day to security of passage of uh, vessels, uh, the risk that we could see some sort of interruptions to flow. Uh, You get out into a a medium-term time frame and uh, some of the policies in the US where we've seen uh, mixed signals uh, from the administration Uh, in some instances encouragement to invest and grow, uh, particularly when prices were high. But in other cases, uh, cancellation of pipeline, cancellations of lease sales, uh, pausing on LNG export uh, processes, uh, which discourage investment. And so these mixed signals in the medium term uh, run the risk of creating some consequences. And then longer term, when policy stays consistent, as it has in California, and it starts to influence supply when demand is unchanged, that creates a different set of issues. And so we We deal with geopolitical risk in Mm -hmm. every time frame and frankly all around the world every day. It's why you you know you need a large portfolio, a strong balance sheet, a diverse set of opportunities uh, so that you can manage that risk uh, with uh, all the tools that we have.
1: Mike, before I let you go talking about risk, uh, you got Brent at 77, WTI at 72. Does that surprise you considering all the risks you were just talking about?
2: It's a market that is relatively balanced right now. We've got OPEC plus uh, making some cuts. Demand has been strong. We saw demand go up a couple million barrels a day last year. Uh, global economy, certainly here in the U.S., with the jobs report and other indicators we're seeing, and demand in our industry is strong. China is uh, is growing again, and uh, not maybe as strong as it was a few years ago, but China's growing. Uh, Europe, not so much. But global demand is going to increase uh, again this year. Uh, supply has been keeping up with that demand but uh, the risks that we see in uh, the Middle East are are very real and they could move markets. One thing that's different is the US is now the world's biggest producer Mm -hmm. and if you go back to periods in the past where these kinds of risks really did get priced quickly into the market it was because the US was so dependent upon supplies from the Middle East and and, Mm -hmm. and other parts of the world were as well. Today with the US as the world's largest supplier there is a a different balance and a different uh, set of of exposures uh, that I think the market is also, uh, you know, pricing in.
1: Mike, always a pleasure. We thank you so much for the time. I know these are long days for you, Mike Worth, chairman and CEO of Chevron. Thank you very much.
0: What could you do if your data was working for you and not against you? With Bloomberg delivering enterprise data directly to your systems, you get easy access to the details you want, optimized for higher level analysis,